This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. You know we're swinging it open for you, folks. Wide. The gateway to your weekend. Studio London, Ontario. Rumya Muthan, out there at the studio in Toronto on main campus. Hello there. Good day to you. Happy what's Friday. going on? Uh, what's mm-hmm. going on? Hmm. Wi-Fi troubles, but other than that, not much. Well, that's Is kind it? of um, fortuitous since we're going to have some uh, <laughs> talk, Weather? electronic talk oh, shortly okay. on the program with John Beeler from mm. your favorite place. Yeah, sure, but from CES. But also I was going to say there's donuts going around today, and so I learned that there's this big friday donut thing where dave brings in donuts dave brown of now with dave brown how many how many donuts two dozen three dozen i don't know i'm assuming there's enough a dozen yeah that's what yeah but but says. my point is so that means dave People brings having them half in for, donuts? The, for the crew mm-hmm. Ooh, and me back so nice well i was just gonna say so do you actually show up early enough no, no i come so in here and if there's, there's any spare donuts, donuts in there, i will take then stale. somebody rolls it across the desk oh, and gives it to you okay. it's still All in right. the so, day of we're good so this day of donuts is not a staff thing for everyone it's for the now team beautiful it's Dave. for That's everybody thanks no no, Dave. no it's for the now team stop stealing their food <laughs> whatever donuts are available next you'll come sounds like somebody's mad complain. that they don't get any donuts give it to me complain next you'll complain that people are touching your coffee mug. Yep, but I already complained about that. It's true. Has that been filed away? Yeah, they said that they know where my coffee mug is, but we don't know that for sure until I feel it. AMI staff, Keep when you find that uh, cup of hers, just pick it up and touch it. Doesn't and matter. Touch it. It's okay. And touch it. Irene and says she knows where it is. That's okay. As long as every, I want everyone to know where it is. Just make sure that you touch it and then go by and tell her, boy, does that mug of yours feel nice. It's got mm. a nice texture. Yeah, <laughs> bet it does. Let's see what's coming up on the program today, ladies and gentlemen, as we're swinging into it. Uh, any donuts over there, Rum, still? How many? Six, seven? Did you have of those? No idea. Mm. Uh, with things unveiled, a four-in-one, you might say, at home health checkup device at CES. John Beeler will give us all the details on our app update. There are tons of great matches as it's wild card weekend in the NFL. Brock Richardson, he's going to break them all down for us during the sports update. And what are some reasons you don't finish reading a book? Uh-oh. No, no, guys, guys, hold them. Hold them back. Uh, that's too much for me. Uh, I'll get those from you later. When Ryan Huey runs through the list of the top ones that people are using on the Chatty Bookshelf later on in Hour 2 of the program. Oh, that's a good reason. Wow, I'm hearing those out there. People screaming at their TVs, all their reasons. Wow. <laughs> Impoverished children will get food benefits from the U.S. government this summer. About 21 million children are likely to receive money for food this summer through a newly permanent federal program called the Summer Electronic Benefits Transfer, known as Summer EBT. Families with children who are eligible for free or reduced price lunches, meaning that they are at or under 185% of the federal poverty line, will be eligible for Summer EBT and receive $40 per month per child during the summer. The program will cover about 70% of the eligible 
eligible population in his first year. I'm Tiffany Wong. So a great concern. During the school year, people can go get breakfasts, get lunches, uh, that, that they get the supports, those who are in that economically challenged uh, grouping of people who would qualify for this. Um, I think that's tremendous. Didn't happen in my day in school. You brought your lunch and so on. But in, in years gone by, we have seen this grow into something. Mm -hmm. We saw this really grow with the pandemic, even though lots of programs were threatened. But always the question was out there, Rum. What about the summertime? A lot of the families that qualify mm. in the summer really struggle because they rely so much during the school year of those meals, even just one of them a yeah. day, making sure their child doesn't go hungry. That's such a fair point, Kels. I, I do think that there are a lot of, you know, niche programs or understanding of very uh, niche situations, if you will, when it comes to the education system, right? Like we're, yeah. and that's great because we're targeting, that's what I'm trying to say, targeted right. situations yep. of knowing when people need breakfast, when people need uh, uh, meals of different sorts, or um, even with supplies, right? Like textbooks and other things like that. You, you know that people have uh, challenges with finances, but then what happens when it's out of school? What happens to the, the transition of one level or grade of school to another? You're not necessarily focusing in on the families and the individual circumstances. You're, you're kind of thinking it as a, a school experience, if you will. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think that there's ways to make it better. Yeah, I think schools allow great service delivery, and I think that's wonderful. It's a place where you can have, if you're concerned about it, the schools, the system itself can have a bit of control. You don't know that that $40 is going to what it's supposed to yeah. in the summertime. But, Rum, we get caught up on this all the time. And, yes, I understand there are some people are going to take that money and it's not going to go into their children's stomachs. I understand that, and that's a crime. It's a shame. But you can't punish everyone who there are so many families that, that would go without not even wanting to take a charitable gift like that from from the government or from their town, yeah. city, the, the, the school, wherever it may be. But it's so needed because people shouldn't have to go hungry. Not here in North America, well, Canada and the U.S. And they shouldn't have to pick between pride and um, food. You know, no, like, no. It, it, it's a really great point that you mentioned where people may not be okay with handouts or, you know, we're navigating the stigma and shame around that as well. Uh, so you're thinking, like, let's just implement it so that nobody has to worry about that factor. That's right. And you know what? If you can't shake it, volunteer. Go cut someone's lawn. Give somebody, walk somebody across the street who might need some support or help. And if that, that should help you feel better, for giving back in some way. It all is useful and it pays it forward. If that's what you, you need to think about and that helps you manage. But first of all, look out for you and yours. Coming up next, gardener Susan Kearney stopped by to chat about some beautiful January flowers, as well as a few neat gifts she received over the holidays. In two minutes, that conversation. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Remember, we want to hang out with you whenever we can. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. 
4 p.m. Eastern, our airing of the show on AMI-audio. You can check us out through uh, Radio Player Canada, that app, TuneIn Radio, so many different ways. And wherever you are when you're listening to us around the world, we appreciate having you on board or watching us on AMI-tv in Canada. Plenty of repeats for the program, too. We'll get into that a little later on. But right now, Rumi and I would like to welcome in our gardener and chat as we do every Friday with Susan Kearney. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me, I'm Kelly and Ramya, for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. I'm thinking about touching anything outdoors in the cold of January. It kind of leaves me feeling a mite chilly. However, Susan, welcome back to the show. And today, yes. you want to talk about some January flowers. Yes, and, and the, the January flowers um, are, one of them is um, pretty well the same as December. It's this car lovely carnation. And we don't grow those outdoors. Um, we, we grow them usually in greenhouses, so mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not shivering in the cold. But they're a lovely flower to give during January, if you know somebody with a January birthday or somebody who is, you know, having those January blues, um, they, they're a good flower to give because they're long-lasting. They come in many different colors, reds, different colors of pinks, yellows, whites, oranges. So it's, it's a nice cut flower to, um, mm. to give to someone during January. But their time is best getting them most plentiful in January, uh, even within growing in greenhouses. You don't, yes. It can't yes. manipulate that time. No, not really, because that is this is the, the, the time that you do get them, um, because yeah. certain cut flowers have, have a, a certain amount of time um, that, that they're either we purchase them from greenhouses um, outside of, of Canada or we grow them in greenhouses in Canada. So, um, yeah, the, the carnation is one that absolutely is, you know, it, it, it stands up very well in um, in, in the winter, brightens up a uh, nice lots of them, brightens up a room. Mm, uh, um, can we talk about smell, texture, those things with the carnation? Yeah, yes. Um, they're, they're actually rather frilly feeling um, on a very sturdy um, stem. So they're, they're good for cut flowers. They go into vases very nicely. You can arrange them very nicely. Uh, and they, they stand up very, very well. Uh, they, they don't, their little heads don't droop. Uh, so they're, you know, and, and they're frilly, so they, they feel um, there is no real center to them, although there is a center um, to them, but you can't feel that center, not like a daisy oh. or, um, or a sunflower or anything like that. Right. So it, it is one, you know, one very um, close, frilly um, petals in, in the flower. That's nice. I, mm -hmm. I love the idea of there's such a you know, plant to give, or a flower to give really at, in January because yeah. there just really isn't, like in that sense, sure, you can always buy flowers, I get that, but to know it's January. Carnation. Yeah. I've never heard it in the context of it being a January flower, Susan, but I am very familiar with the carnation because, you know, culturally in a lot of different uh, yeah. places around the world, they're used or mm -hmm. appreciated or symbolic for one reason or another. 
especially religiously? Yes, uh, uh, yes they are. And I, I gather that that um, is, is one of the reasons why we sort of adopted it as, um, as January's flower, because January actually has another flower, which I, I have always known was the January flower. So I was very surprised to hear about the carnation. But I think... As you say, worldwide, they're known worldwide, and they do. Um, and and you could at this time of year, um, you you can get them um, as as gifts or um, just just for yourself. So it's that's really nice. The other one is, of course, the snowdrop, uh, which I have never grown. The, these comes from bulbs. I call them a very brave flower because <laughs> they. <laughs> they do bloom under the snow, believe it or not. Um, I, I remember, I, I think of these as rather old-fashioned flowers. I, I can remember in, in, you know, some of the, 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 the elder people in my um, family always having, you know, they would say, oh, the snowdrops are up today. Um, when you get those, you know, those bright, sunny January days, where you know that they and then the snowdrops would come up, um, which is very interesting. I have never grown them myself, but uh, yeah, they're a brave flower. I think coming up mm. through the snow. <laughs> That's fascinating. I so okay. <laughs> since the family would do that, you'd go and get nosy and check them. And like I said, frozen yeah. fingers at this time of the year. <laughs> C can you on that sunny day? Did you go out? Did you check? Did you? Did they actually pop right up through? And again, obviously, I know it's not four feet of snow we're talking, but mm, yeah, you get a yeah. dusting or get some snow, they're going to be there. And how long do they last? They, they don't last very long, maybe a day. Um, they'll come up in, in the sunshine, and they like to be, um, they, you know, they, they will come. They like to be grown along um, a, a warm wall is, um, you know, where it's sheltered, uh, where, you know, they'll get some sunshine, where they're, they're going to get a little bit of that warmth, and then they will come up. And, and they do this in January and in February, so I won't be surprised if, um, if you, know, you, you find them in February um, also um, coming up through the snow. And, and they're, they're a very pretty, very delicate but brave um, plant. And, and one of the reasons why they call them snowdrops is because the way they grow, their um, their little heads um, hang down uh, like a drop, um, so that their their little their little faces are not up to the sun. They're actually down towards the ground where they would get more warmth um, whenever we get snow, and you get those very um, those very sunny January days, and it's shining on the snow. That is actually very reflective, and that is what um, has them coming up, poking up through the the snow, and their and their little their little faces are are down towards the snow, so they're getting that that bright light. Very interesting plant. Yeah. It sounds like it. Mm -hmm. And I've I said this before I, too, but I always think it's lovely to talk flowers in the frigid cold months in general yeah, absolutely and there are you know that and um so every month we'll 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 talk about the flowers mm. that um that actually um you know we we can either get or grow um during the uh the winter months there are there are several which is very okay. interesting uh Suze, so, can you do oh, anything no. with them like you can't when they come up out of the out of out of the snow, you can't just like oh, I'm gonna take these guys inside now because that's not I their their their, their nature so. is not to be there, right? Mm. I don't think so. No, um, 
No, I no, and and um, I I do remember um, touching them, um, but I I don't remember anybody bringing them indoors. I and I've actually and some my my um, correct me on this, but I have never seen them in a um, a, a tray of bulbs. Um, I I have seen you know uh, crocuses and um, daffodils and the hyacinths, but never uh, I've never seen the snowdrops. So that, that um, yeah, I, I I've never seen those in indoors uh, in in any kind of um, yeah in any kind of arrangement or anything else. I could be wrong, but uh, no, I've, I've never well, actually. They, so when they die off, they don't really leave anything behind. You would have to replant bulbs. For, for they a are tu- they're a tuber, yes, and they okay. will reproduce under like under the uh, under the soil. Um, and I, I gather that you would just put in in more. They die, of course. They die back. Um, they're they're you know they they don't come up in the later spring at all. They don't come up in right. March or April. They're, they're usually January, February is when they uh, show their little um, you know their their little um, pretty flowers. That's fascinating. Suze, you got some mm-hmm. gifts, some plant gifts over the holidays. You want to yes. tell us about them? Yes, absolutely. Um, I got um, a, a kit for growing pink oyster mushrooms. I've never done this before. Um, it was very interesting. So um, I actually put it up on a shelf. It's, it comes in a box, and you um, slit the plastic that is around the uh, the front of the box, and then every every day you spray it about two or three times, and within um, a week or so, the mushrooms will start growing. It cannot be in direct sunlight, so I put I took down the cookie jar, put that on the table, which is probably mm-hmm. dangerous. Um, so it's closed, <laughs> and put the mushrooms up beside the the big teapot because I don't want it cannot get a lot of light, but it has to get some light. So that it's it's up there, and, and it'll be very interesting when they start to grow. I've never done this before. It's a it's it's a kit. It it sounds like fun, and we will get um, some lovely oyster mushrooms. Hopefully, if I uh, follow the directions correctly and mm. um, and keep them keep them alive, it's it's a fun thing. The other um, gift I got is a bottle. It's um. A, a jar of uh, citrus acid, and you um, put one teaspoon into a um, quart of water, um, liter of water, I'm sorry, into a liter of water, and then you use this to wash seeds if you need to wash seeds. And the oh. reason why you use, use that is it stops the growth of mold. And I have had trouble with it, um, different things. My shishito um, peppers did not do very well last year. And I found out is because when I was growing them, when they were in the trays and the pl- little plants were coming up, there was a mold that started on top of the um, uh, the seed seeding soil. So I, I know that I've I have used vinegar to wash seeds and to wash my trays, uh, so that that will kill off different molds. I've never used the the uh, citric acid. It smells really nice, actually, when you mix it up. It smells like orange like and lemon. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And um, you can use this after to wash 
the um, the different vegetables and herbs that you've actually grown. So you you dilute it again, and then you can wash those, and and they'll last longer in in the refrigerator, um, or in you know that. So it it has two purposes. I, I was quite thrilled to to know that I, I have as I said I have used vinegar, and I I will sometime talk about the different um, places that I have used vinegar. But this is just uh, it was a nice gift that I got. And I will try this, and it does smell good. Along with this, I got several um, different seeds. There, um, one is an arugula, um, big bag of arugula seeds. We are going to be having arugula a lot. It only <laughs> takes seven days to grow. I'm very excited oh, about this. That's cool. Yes, ab- yeah, yeah, I know. A seven-day salad. When you say grow, you're talking <laughs> before use. Like to yes. grow yes. and right. use. You, yes, yeah. actually, yes. It says wow. seven days, and uh, so I'm I'm hoping that that's true. I will be planting them on Sunday and counting the days, um, and uh, so I and I will be using my say. You do not have to soak the arugula seeds. I got other seeds um, that you do have to soak. These ones you do not have to soak. But I will be washing them in the citric acid to a, a, a little more longevity in the refrigerator. I, I think it's nice. very cool. There's a lot of seeds. So those those are just two of the the three of the really wonderful gifts I got. I, I got more that we can talk about another time that yeah. I'm not planting right now, but it's it's very interesting. I love projects like this. It uh, keeps the January blues away. So mm-hmm. there wow. there. And I love it because there's so much to talk about from Christmas. We have to make sure that everybody continues to do this so that you can continue having these wonderful uh, segments. And things don't, during January and February, cool off. Thanks a lot, Susan. (laughs) Bye. Our gardener, Susan Curdy, joining us on the program. We do this on Fridays as we visit with Susan for gardening. Up next, folks, John Dealer gives us all of the details from CES, uh, so much of the stuff he's been looking up, looking at. That's on our app update in a moment. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Rumya return with more in a moment. Cast the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week on the program, Joita speaks at Jacqueline Elms, author of The Fruit Cure, the story of extreme wellness turned sour, an unforgettable deep dive into the world of fruitaritism. That's The Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific over on AMI-audio. Also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Kelly McDonald settle in here as we welcome you to our Friday and swing open the gateway to the weekend. And in the Toronto studio, Ramya Muthan. All right, uh, let's get into our Friday app update. This is when we talk tech to close off the week with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, lots of CES talk to come in our future, of course, not just with uh, you, but with everybody on tech across the network. But let's get into some of the things that stood out for you this time around, starting with Withings. 
We believe that's how you say it. Anyways, they've unveiled the BMO 4-in-1 at-home health checkup device, and this is one of the things unveiled at CES. So what's going on here? 4-in-1, big promises. Yeah, this is a little gadget that kind of uh, reminds you of maybe something Star Trek would have to scan someone when they're in the sick bay. Um, this is a small little device. It's about the size of your TV remote, and it combines an ECG meter, an oximeter, a stethoscope, and a thermometer to do a whole bunch of different health monitoring at home. Uh, and Withings has sort of positioned this as, as a, a tool to help sort of uh, in the sort of post-COVID telemedicine era where, you know, people aren't necessarily going to the doctor's office as much anymore. They're doing everything over video calls or audio calls. And what this tool can do is a lot of things that would traditionally have to be done in the office. And it, of course, it syncs with its own app, and then you can then share that data with your doctor. Um, it's it's a pretty neat little device. It's not inexpensive, um, but they're basically saying that you know, in under a minute, you can do a, a number of sort of critical health uh, readings and measurements, and it can detect a whole host of different things. And they're actually waiting for um, uh, clearance in the U.S. for FDA, and presumably it'll be from Health Canada as well, uh, to do things like detect atrial fibrillation, uh, cardiovascular issues, potential infections, and even things like fever and colds and those types of things. Wow, this thing's hey. gigantic. And I mean, of course, we'll wait for the FDA to say, go ahead, Canada, uh, <laughs> before we approve it. Always seems to follow the leader, but this is a great thing. What I like, John, is something that dawned on me during the pandemic when they kept anywhere you went, especially to a doctor's appointment, checking to see if you had a fever. And I kept thinking, God, if you can do that, just pointing that at me, when am I? When can my Apple Watch do that? When uh -huh. can my phone do that? It was one of those things that for me as a blind person, you know, I can't really stick a thermometer in my mouth unless I get one of the talking ones that that will will let me know stuff. So to me, it's kind of been that weird thing. And here you have a gadget and I'm not sure how we would interact with it if we could do it with our phone and have uh, speech and all that. Maybe you, you'll have that answer first when I say or or how accessible it would be. It, it seems to be something you just hold up to your head, and um, I, I, I haven't seen it actually in use personally, right. um, yeah. but it's very typical for these things to sort of have like a timer and maybe some type of an alert saying, okay, good enough. Sometimes they even talk to you, um, but I'm not sure if there's any kind of interaction between your smartphone as far as the audio goes, for example, to tell you what to do next or where to position it to get these readings. Um, that'll come out in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I guess it makes me think about, you know, is this when we're talking fever, are we talking basal body temperature? Uh, also, like, um, they, are they going to try to connect it to apps? Because everything is connected to some kind of app out there. But definitely the at-home use part of it is obviously just monumental. Absolutely. And the price point, it's about 250 US. So it's not crazy, mm. but it's not no cheap. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you're uh, getting thermometers and all this stuff for your, let's say, for your babies at home when they're sick and going out and purchasing, it sounds like having this on hand in general would serve a lot of purposes, right? Oh, man. Yeah. For so many yeah. people. And the whole young family. And old. In the whole yeah, family. Yeah. yeah, like especially with some of the things you're talking, if they get the approval for it, that's, you know, the AFib and stuff, we're hearing so much about that and knowing how so many people are affected, don't even realize. Um, Apple agrees to settle Canadian iPhone uh, battery gate. <laughs> this could end up being 
$14.4 billion. Sorry, excuse me, million dollars. I'm, I'm trying to take more money out of their pockets. <laughs> they can afford it. I yeah. sure can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a departure from the CES stories because I thought this was kind of interesting. Do you remember a number of years ago, Battery Gate, when uh, yes. Apple was basically throttling older devices with the newer mm -hmm. operating systems to mm -hmm. have a better experience? Well, people sued over that. They didn't like their devices being uh, slower than they should be. Uh, and uh, Apple has agreed to, although haven't admitted any wrongdoing or liability in this case, to settle this lawsuit. They're just waiting for um, the, the BC Supreme Court to finalize this uh, at the end of this month, January 29th. And if approved, basically uh, anyone that owned an iPhone as going far as far back as I think an iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, uh, and uh, the iPhone SE, and some 7s uh, as well, uh, you can get up to $150 per device oh. uh, as part of the settlement. That up to will be affected by how many people actually take advantage of this. Uh, yeah. class action suit um more people means less money uh so um but i think one of the interesting things about this a lot of times we've seen these class action lawsuits where you don't need to submit any kind of proof or anything like that um because they're just giving 20 bucks to anyone that wants it basically until the uh judgment has been depleted in this case i think you do actually have to submit a serial number uh for those affected devices to actually get your claim in yeah, I mean, I assume there would be some kind of, like, legitimate way that you had to prove that you'd been affected in this way. I just think it's going back to what you said about they're not taking accountability or liability for it. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I love it, it. it kills me because it's like, okay, if you're settling the lawsuit, though, isn't that in itself saying, like, okay, yeah, we screwed up? Or well, we're we seeing more of this too, aren't we? Like <laughs> yes. companies yes. just do something bad and like, oh, well, here's a slap on their wrist. Just pay out a couple million bucks. Yeah, to here's some money. That's fair. Yeah, that's happened yeah. forever. Yeah. But I think in something like this, you know, where Apple usually is known for taking a heavy stance one way or another on something, uh, privacy, security, otherwise. Um, but in this battery stuff, they're like, eh, we'll just pay off the money. Yeah, it's, it's cheaper. a little odd. Yeah, yep. it is cheaper and it, it's cheaper for the future. We all love it. We'll still go back. Well, at least they owned up to it as opposed to fighting it and saying, well, I don't know, they might they? be still doing that stuff, right? Yeah, and it's like pick your battles. Might be doing that Apple. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll make sure I can find my old devices now and get them ready. Yeah. Just curious, John, numbers. were any other companies going through something similar? Like, were there any parallels between what Apple was doing with that battery? stuff as uh i don't know google or samsung or anybody else not that i'm aware of um because generally those uh, basically on the android side you're kind of it depends on your device on the apple side it's a closed sort of environment apple controls the hardware and the software so i think that's where the impropriety actually is or, or where the, yes. the the issue that people have is is like on Android, you kind of expect some loss of functionality or slowdown as you progress with newer versions of the software. Um, whereas Apple has been pretty good over time and has a pretty good track record of even older software tends or older hardware tends to get an actual um, bump in newer software because it's more optimized. It's you know it's their hardware versus android where google has to sort of build their software to work on a wide range of different hardware and different configurations whereas apple knows what they're dealing with here so 
the fact that they actually slowed things down is kind of a different take for them, uh, which is why this is such an interesting little case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, go get your money, I guess. Um, let's talk about the smart lock. This is another CES item, right? The smart lock that can recognize our face. Yeah, this is um, straight out of the Minority Report. Um, this is the first time we've seen a smart lock that actually has a camera in it that can recognize faces and specifically up to 100 different people uh, and will unlock the door as you approach. You don't have to put in a code or anything like that, although we're showing that in the video. Um, this is actually set up so that as you approach the door, it'll recognize that it's you and just unlock it. You can also tie it into things like HomeKit and other things like that. So you can actually use um, your device as the key, so to speak. But I really like the idea, especially when you're going up to the door with your handful of bags and True. stuff like that, uh -huh. the door just unlocks. That's fair. Uh, I do have some skepticism questions, though. Like, what? how do we know that it's not just going to unlock for... Uh, even if you're not necessarily on your way home or if you're just passing by and it unlocks, you know, these kind of things. Have they talked about the a, um, the ways around, yeah, what might be security breaches? This is a common problem with any kind of a smart lock. You're basically putting uh, a computer between, you know, your house and your property yeah. and the outside world. Um, I actually recently had a problem. I have a smart lock. Um, it's not terribly smart in the sense that I still have to punch in a code, but my battery died very quickly and unexpectedly. Oh no. Uh -oh. Out of my house. Uh -oh. What's the backup yeah. plan? Uh, <laughs> I climbed in through my balcony Oh, door. shut up. I did. Yeah. There's no backup um, plan. <laughs> my backup plan should have been to actually have the physical key on my keychain. Right. I like having a keychain that doesn't have much on it. So, um, of course. Okay. And I literally never use a key to open my door. You just use the, the touchpad. Yeah. So these types of things, though, this is a, a paramount problem uh, that these companies have to address to make people comfortable enough to purchase these things. And these things aren't cheap. This particular lock, uh, the Lockley Visage is 350 US. And the one I have is probably a couple hundred dollars Canadian. Um, and it's it's not as fancy as this one is. Um, but the the thing is... You need to rely on the fact that, you know, your app is secure, that your door isn't going to unlock randomly and weirdly and uh -huh. strangely. Um, if anything, I thought it was kind of strange that my lock didn't just unlock as a failback. When the battery went. The battery was running out. Yeah. But I, yeah. I made a rookie mistake and I actually put in rechargeables instead of alkaline batteries. And uh, rechargeables tend to drop right off with no warning versus alkaline batteries, which have a much longer, slower depletion rate, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, back to the Lockley. Um, this this is a common problem. And because of the fact that this is integrated with uh, Apple's HomeKit and other things like that, those integrations require a lot of due diligence on the part of these manufacturers before they get accepted into these programs. So... I think for the most part, you can rest easy that these are going to be safe and secure. Um, where I'm not sure about is false positives. It's one thing to have a doorbell, video doorbell, that can just detect that your package was put placed in front of the door or somebody walked by. This is actually detecting and using uh, basically AI to detect that, oh, well, this is actually John coming home. Let's unlock the door for him. And so that's where it gets a little murky. And, mm. uh, you know, 
to say that something can't be hacked and it isn't going to be having some kind of issue. Uh, anytime there's a software update of these things, people get nervous as well because it was working fine and now you've done something to make it different. Yep, yep. Um, right. so yep. You have a lot of things to weigh when you're making a decision about these types of devices. The other thing that's interesting about this particular one is it does have like sort of the facial recognition, but it also has a fingerprint reader, a digital keypad, and then a, a, an actual key. Okay. So you can choose your level of comfort basically based on that. Yeah, and that's and like fair that. as well yep. because I was thinking the same thing. Like I, if I just don't trust that the biometrics and the decision-making process of this thing uh, to to recognize my face and say, yep, she's coming in. Um, I just can't, you know, if we don't want to risk that, what other options are there? Uh, even your accidental that you mentioned, like you, mm -hmm. we know our phone, you could pick it up and off a sideways look or just oh, turning gosh, your head, yeah. it can, it'll click, click. And I thought, I don't even yeah, want to know how many times my something. phone is unlocked without me actually needing mm, it too, right? It. Yep. And this yep. is like the entrance into my house. John, thank you so much. Really interesting stuff. One more thing though. Mm -hmm. What if your phone is dead and you're trying to get into your right. house? <laughs> Yeah. Good heavens. Exactly. As your experience illustrates. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Make, make sure everybody Can we all folks, just climb you have up into ground floor balconies? apartment. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Take care. John Bueller joins us on Fridays. That's when we talk tech. And all things CES. Up next, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> 24 hours later. Don't tease. The awaited item. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. A dog recently ate an absurd amount of money that was on a counter, yet the owner was able to get it back. Well, Beth Deer will be here in a moment, maybe, with the story. Maybe not. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching us on AMI-TV, currently you're looking at a host that really isn't too smart today. If he were smart, he would have let his co-host introduce our next guest. That's fine. Because, well, well, anyway, um, we have a, an item we may or may not get to. Yeah. Um, that if I'm I were actually our next a little guest, bit nervous to ask about it, so well, it's better that you're if, doing it. That, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's what I mean. I wasn't too smart. Well, I'm hoping it's the second item or third or just anyway. I think um, it has to be I, the first item. Well, the, may, yes, we're in I an all or nothing so situation here. Well, and she, if you <laughs> can't use the items, if she hasn't used it, it'll get disposed of. So without further ado, <laughs> or shall I say, Adir, uh, Beth Adir, that is. Uh, welcome, Beth. Do you have an item that you know a particular co-host of this program is absolutely crazy, anxious, waiting for? Yeah, and judging by the last few minutes, Carl, I think that might be you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, well, there are parts of this thing I am kind of wondering, like, uh, how did we save the money? Do we even really want to know? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a dodgy story, but yes, the uh, you guys have waited 24 hours for this story, so I'm very happy to bring you the news that you're after. Um, this article is a dog eats 4,000 in cash off of the counter. Um, the unpleasant way the owners got it back. It's, it's grim. So, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, it was funny actually. The article, <laughs> the article started because I had to refresh my memory. I had to rewrite my notes. Um, and the article started, which I didn't realize last time, saying, the dog eating your homework is a tale as old as time. And I was like, yeah, just like deleting your notes. <laughs> <laughs> dog ate my homework? I like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I like, I had to say that before Kelly did. Um, it's kind of a dog tale, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so a dog called Cecil decided um, to do a little bit of counter surfing and ate $4,000 in cash. No! Um, yeah, they had taken the cash out of the bank that very day to do some, like, home improvement projects. And they literally, like, left the room for a few minutes, came back, and this dog was just standing on the counter in a pile of, like, yeah, eaten up, destroyed, destroyed did he cash. Eat them? Like he ate? Yeah, like I don't even understand how he would eat. Or did he just grand, shred it? No, it like must have... he ate. I, I, hope... I want to say I hope it was new bills, but what would attract a dog to know. the scent of What's new the bills? Smell? If they were I bills no that, you know, had Maybe human smell like... on them? Maybe? Yeah, maybe they came from, or had originally been in like, a, a register of like yeah, a restaurant, yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe they smell like from the bank. <laughs> then makes you think, oh my god, money's the dirtiest thing an animal or whatever could, you can touch. Ew. Yeah, I know. Money, as as great as money is, money is also gross. Um, <laughs> the dog seemed <laughs> fine at first until in the middle of the night when the owners were awoken by the dreaded sound rum i don't know if you, uh if uh glizzy's ever woken oh. you up with this the sound of like they're about to puke yeah yeah oh <laughs> i know like, what that no! is sprint sprint yeah when what you hear that sound, sound? Like uh, i can't do it I, I don't have a dog i wouldn't know really you never heard it though no, I just want to get you to do this. No, I'm sound. not doing it. Okay, carry on. Um, yeah, it, no. It's whatever like, you think regurgitation sounds like, that's what it sounds like. But yeah, for, and like, nothing for, instills for more fear in me than that yep. sound. Like, mm -hmm. duh. Same, same. Oh, I don't know. Puppy. Now that I have a kid, maybe it'll be the sound of kids about to puke. But, but, right but now, kids just throw dogs. up. Dogs have like a wind-up. Dogs, I think, battle it. It comes like you can hear it coming. It's not pleasant and it's a little scary. Yeah, that's it, folks. Shove your plates away. Yeah, sorry about that. This was probably this is probably like the best puke this dog could have ever had because most expensive in the puke. Yeah, in the puke was just a bunch of a hundred dollar and fifty dollar bills. Um to go through every time. I know, um, just, uh, it, I'm so squeamish. Better, better than if it had really gone further through. Yeah. Better out than in, I guess. Yeah, okay. and better than going further. Especially when it's a bunch of cash. But how do we um, know there's not enough, but, any stuff in there still? Sorry, Beth. Go on. Well, so, no, every the time then after the dog went to the bathroom, or not the bathroom, but went poo. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah. they, the guy was, like, literally, like, taking this dog's poo to the sink and, like, washing it down the sink because there was so much money in it that he was able to kind of <laughs> oh fish it all God. out. I I honestly, like, I mean, that would 100% be, like, a job that I'd make my husband do. But, like, Sorry, he I don't know if I'd bills? be that desperate. No, You're, they that's, were all kind of like shredded oh. up. So what You'd happened? You have to then tape them all together. <laughs> no, no, I please know. don't tell so me they did this. Was... This is not a DIY project, people. <laughs> <laughs> 
the lady called like the 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 dog mom called the bank and was like hey you aren't gonna believe what's just happened um my dog ate like the money that we withdrew um, yesterday she should have said more like i'm sorry but we, we just, left we just, four grand we, laying around just, on a counter right. and my dog who has a history of eating cash apparently like child no, and now now we had to withdraw like, from the dog that's the thing is like this dog is patronus super placid super chill Mm -hmm. they said he's a couch potato (laughs) literally like never moves and decided to jump up on the counter and eat all this money no but when she called the bank and explained what happened they actually said like this has happened before believe it or not (laughs) as long as you can bring us um the shredded version kind of like the numbers that were on the bills then like the cut co- like i don't know what they're called but like the codes that are on the bills yeah, the yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly serial numbers and stuff so then they could like pe- kind of piece everything back together and they would be able to you know give them another four thousand oh. uh, dollars now there's poop numbers. and vomit what's your money guess is, what's your guess is how much of the money do you think they got back three thousand okay okay first of all did he eat, did he digest slash ingest all four grand yes Oh, God, then I hope he brought all four grand back up. Well, that's what she's asking. How uh, much close. did he do? But, but some went out the so other end. Is there still like 150 in there? Yeah, but... Well, I don't know if it's Nah, in there's still now. another like 500 in there. Or oh at least God. that wasn't able to be recuperated. But they did get $3,500 back. So, wow. I mean, really wow. that's, happy that's ending. Good. Wow. I have to ask why these people took out four grand to begin with, but anyway, that's my own personal I, problem. They're building an expensive doghouse. Like oh, e transfer people. Who pays for things with like physical cash anymore, especially like that amount oh, of money. grand. Yeah, worth the visual. Mm-mm. And what was yeah, it just I doing agree. laying around? And I really, I don't know. Uh, they probably but did the that fact, just the for thing a I find so strange is like this dog has never eaten anything yeah, no. in the house before. No, decides to eat way. four thousand dollars. Even no if your way. dog does do that, unless food was wrapped in paper, it's not something I would imagine. That's just the defense you've got to tell do. the bank, right? That's just you got to tell them yeah. that. Like my dog's never done this before. Because what what would the opposite be? Like yeah, this has happened eight our times. Our dog does it all the time. We have, our <laughs> yeah. withdrawals have to come from the dog. <laughs> it's our fault. We forgot to put it in the piggy bank. Our, our dogs are family. To, like, Bank make machine. up a lie you'd have to say like oh like i had a leftover sandwich and all i had to wrap it up with was, was cash this money <laughs> <laughs> i did and then my dog ate all of the money <laughs> i'm still surprised that we were like, making even four k burritos and <laughs> Man, we've got money. Oh talk about money God. to burn no but i i am yeah. honestly though I'm very um, incredibly surprised. surprised, or not surprised necessarily, but impressed that these people went through every shredded thing that came out of this dog. I'm sub- surprised you know. the bank could do what they did. Yeah, that's true, too. Like, I really am. I must admit. Like, to me, that's like, what? I mean, even after they got through the laughter, we're telling you it's happened before. <laughs> oh, gosh. How old is the dog, the do you know? That that's a problem. That, yes, the dog was seven. Okay, yeah. Um, but the fact that this is something that had, like, the bank was like, oh, yeah, like, we've got you. We know what to do. This has happened before. I'm like, I'm shocked. Like, I mean, yeah, like, whose dog eats money? Like, mm-hmm. I, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I'm one to talk. My dog literally ate the ear of a kid's toy last week. So yeah, like, my dog picked up a whole slice of pizza have... on the way here to work. So Yeah, but I understand <laughs> that. Oh. Unless the money tasted like or smelled like pizza. I mean, I guess have. it could. Maybe they brought a pizza like, home. They, they could have really brought a pizza home. sense, right? Like, we well, don't why, know. Why we count this money? Mm -hmm. Maybe they had a, the money in the same bag as a pizza. I'm just thinking just if your dog is going up on counter level to take 4K worth of bills, there's, there were signs before this that your dog yeah. did do something like that. No, I agree. And I think it's the same as Patronus. I'm sure this dog was just very stoic, very hard to read, and it lulled <laughs> them into a false sense of security. Because I'm like, yeah, Patronus, I will trust you to, you know, help me not get hit by a car or a train or walk into people. <laughs> but do I trust you to not eat the inside of a tennis ball or True. Henley's ear of her toy. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a no, fair I point. Don't. Not anymore, at least. No, and they could go years. Honestly, though, they could go years. What breed do you think this dog was? I don't know, but Irene tells me it's a brunette version uh, a of Glasgow. Oh, so a is lab. it a... really? Okay. Kind so of. Yeah, like she's not wrong. It had. It was a. Uh, it was a spaniel doodle. Oh, like, it's a doodle. Wow. But. Really? Yeah, like I would say like a bit more doodle, but it w had like a kind of like a brown face. Mm. And uh, it was funny in the interview, they were like, yeah, so like this is really all our dog does. He just like sits and like stares people down and like doesn't really do anything. I'm like, doesn't really do anything except he eats like four thousand <laughs> I guess, you know, if, you're, if your dog isn't bad throughout its entire life, there's going to be one moment where you're going to really pay for it or something. Well, yeah. and on top of the money itself, all that time if you were being paid for the I work to, to salvage it. What did you, where'd your dog get the piece of pizza? Did you say he picked Off it Off the right freaking out? ground. Like Yikes. off the street. Oh. And and I got in the bus. Guys, it was so embarrassing. I got in the bus I mean, and the driver. Yes, the driver's oh like, God. your dog's carrying no, something. He didn't tell me what the something was. Then I put my hand to his face. And he, by the way, he hasn't done this in like three years. The last thing he picked up three years ago was a bagel off the street, like a full you know cheese bagel. Well, that's true. Wow. Before he chowed it down, I guess. Anyways, it was a full freaking pizza slice. Oh my God. But I had to God. drag out of his mouth in public. But the Did thing is, too, one thing that I will say with Glasgow is he carries around his food more than eats it, especially when he picks right. it up off the street. Well, so. he's proud of it. Exactly. Exactly. Some dummy left this, and I got yeah. a hold of it. <laughs> and then yeah, I, I was cursing thing. the human being who left a piece of pizza on the ground, but then what I had to do was throw it out the, the side of the bus anyways, like the, the door, open door. So I was like, okay, well, now that's for the next blind person and their dog. Sorry. Oh God, what, yeah, wouldn't you get somebody up? <laughs> How come he didn't throw it in the garbage on the bus? There's a garbage on the bus? What? Can somebody fact check this? Does TTC have garbage on the I, bus? I think there's TTC, garbage on the bus, bus, but services. I would find it way easier to throw the piece of pizza out the door that yeah. I just came in rather than try and find the garbage. TTC does not have garbage on the bus. We checked. They don't, eh? Mm -mm. Since when? Really? Wow. Yeah, I know Isn't that just uh, other bus make services people do. Litter, like, way more? That's literally maybe what, that's what we're they, talking about. Maybe that's what they figure. They had to throw their pizza throw off the bus. the bus on the floor. Twice now. Yeah, yeah. like Romeo didn't find the garbage because there wasn't one. She <laughs> yeah, had to, like, I had to throw it she's out. She's literally okay. like feeding the next dog that's going to walk by that pizza. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I. I'm glad you're lucky that no one was walking by. Oh, jeez. Okay. I don't. I don't have that great of a throw. It's fine. It, Beth, it thanks a lot. Uh, no, Beth, thank you guys. Uh, I'm glad I could bring you this. <laughs> Finally. Uh, so Finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Beth uh, joins us to uh, do the buzz with us on the program. Uh, we do that Wednesday through Fridays on the show at this time. Coming up in the next hour of the program, let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments in the past week on Cut for Time. And what are some reasons you don't finish reading a book? Ryan Huey runs through a list on the Teddy Bookshelf shortly. But up next, there's tons of great matches as it's Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Brock Richardson, he's here in a moment to break them down on his sports update. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. A whole segment, folks. A whole segment talking about the cash cab dog. <laughs> That's great. We deserve Ramya it. Kelly McDonald, host of the program. So now my head's gone on to your dog. Carting that piece of pizza on there, and oh, excuse me, ma'am, or sorry, on the TTC, the drivers are behind the barricade. Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah. Your dog has something. So then you reach down, grab said slice that he's full slice, by have. the way. Hello, I haven't taken any bite out of it yet. Mm -hmm. Why don't you try it first? Ew. And of course, you go to the door. Just somebody toss it out like a by, <laughs> Gets it in the eye. No. And nothing happens. How or, good do you like think Beth my throw is? Or like Beth said, another blind person coming along with their yeah, dog and, had, and all you hear is the bus is pulling away. Yeah, shame on me. Leave it. <laughs> That's what I imagine, that the next blind Priceless. person walking their dog is going to have a problem. And he might be a guzzler, not like not like your dog. Oh, your God, dog yeah. at least shows it off. Look what I have. Mm -hmm. The other might just go, oh, mm -hmm. and it's gone in one chomp. Woo. Uh, what a scenario. Okay, anyway, folks, I've worked that through my system. Let's work out sports through our system as we welcome in Brock Richardson, our sports guy on the network. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. So what are you wagering? Your dog would gulp down the whole piece or would Tia wave it at you oh. and go, look, look, look what I have, Brock, look. It's... It's not even a question. She would gulp it down like it wasn't even on the floor to begin with. Like it just, it, you wouldn't if even you know. If you dropped it even before it hit the floor, she'd, she'd yeah. get it. Yeah. My, my thing is, is like, why is there a whole slice of pizza on the ground in the first place? I know. Like I can Waste understand. Waste not, want not. To a point, like, but the whole pizza? Yikes. Like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, some people are very proud of their dog's ability to vacuum the floor. And I'm that's one of the signs that... There's uh, the crap out of me. Talk <laughs> yeah, about me a robot, too. Talk about a robot Because I don't know what I'm leaving on the floor. Like, right. I really don't want to find <laughs> it later dog. on in my dog's digestive system. Hey, where's the royal taste tester? Get in here and do this floor. No, um, no. Pal, what's your yeah. leadoff item today as we talk sports with Brock Richardson? I wanted to share with you guys and the audience that... Um, feedsports.com and player player fm has rated the neutral zone best para sports podcast for 2023 and just recently 2024 wow congratulations that's tremendous and that goes back to your time obviously uh, as an ami product um now you guys have just recently for those who don't know have launched the podcast uh, again um uh on your own with sponsorship and to get that kind of credibility, Brock, wow, congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's the ranking based on? 
So it's uh, based on a couple of things, but uh, first they have a team of people that they use to do some extensive research, and it says that they uh, reviewed thousands of podcasts worldwide, and they ranked it down to the top 10. And here's the list they give you. Exposure and compa- compatibility, content qu- quality and relevance, uh, longevity and consistency, and audience engagement. That's pretty great. Nice. nice. Holy yeah. cow. Uh, what does this mean to you guys? Well, there's a couple of things here. First of all, we didn't submit our podcast to either of these resources. You could have, um, but we did not because we didn't know that either of these resources existed. So that's the first part of this situation. And it means a lot that they not only found our podcast, but ranked it number one based on those doc, uh, those uh, categories that I just named for you. Secondly, the longevity piece uh, stands out to me because we uh, wouldn't be able to be recognized this way without being um, on this platform for as long as we have been on AMI and the fact that we were able to do it for six years. And so that's a big part of it uh, for me as well. The The final piece that I would say is that we took a four-month hiatus from when we uh, ended at AMI and then relaunched with OnPara. And for me, that's the biggest piece there as well because we weren't forgotten. We weren't like, oh, what is this podcast? Let's let's renew it. Let's revisit it. So this was redone in on January the 5th of this year. And so for me, that's the big deal. Um, it's very interesting, like the different elements that they look into or consider, I guess, because there's a lot of not just, you know, what is good right now, but the longevity of a topic like this or the subject of parasport, I guess, is very um, prevalent here, right? Yeah, and it, and it is. And we've, you know, proud of, prided ourselves uh, from day one of doing this podcast as being a para and pro sports uh, mm. podcast. And, and we really feel that even when we discuss uh, mainstream topics, we discuss it from an angle of being athletes and being an athlete which has some level of disability, uh, whether vision impairment, physical, or anything like that. So for us, it's the fact that it's an all-encompassing deal. It's not just para-sports. It's not just pro-sports. Yeah. It's a combination of both it's that sports. makes it a real big balance. And it's inclusive. And it means and that, that would... the people who are just paying attention to pro-sports... Um, when they run into this podcast, they're getting something different. And the people who are, you know, just sports fans, people with disabilities, I guess, who are sports fans, get all of everything. And I think the thing that that sets us apart for our podcast is that we talk mainstream sports. If we were just talking para sports, um, you're assuming that the audience only wants to t- to listen to para sports. And I think the community of of people that listen to uh, our podcast love sports just as much as we do, whether it's mainstream, para sports, or anything in between. So the fact that 
we can have that mix and sort of mix it all together and say here's a here's a package and then have all our elements and it's not just a plug and play sort of deal and it's we have our elements of the intros the twitter bumpers etc that yeah. really make us out to be a show and it's not just us sitting down as four jabronis every week talking about sports you know it's 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 a built-in program that we've really prided ourselves and i have to go back to voices for ability days uh with melanie tadio i was taught to build it that way and and not just be you know get on a soapbox which sometimes we do from time to time but and it's also build fun. It as a real product and that's what we've chosen to do absolutely it's fun and if it's not fun why are we doing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's for sure uh, let's talk about NFL, man. Uh, what are some of the NFL matchups that you're looking forward to as we head into Wild Card Weekend? Uh, first of all, uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers. This is a game that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking for Jordan Love, the Green Bay quarterback, to really have a breakthrough here against the the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I think that they've been a young team for a while, and I think... You know, he, he's taken over in Green Bay and sort of uh, carried the load here. And so I think it's time for them to take a, a step forward and say, we're going to do this. I will say to you guys, though, I do believe in my heart of hearts that the Dallas Cowboys are going to get this done and say, we're going to do this. We have Dak Prescott, who's been building as a, as a, a quarterback with the Cowboys and they had a rough start to the season, but they here they are. So for me, this is the first game that I would circle. Uh, the second one that I would say for you guys is the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs. I think this is the end of the road for the Miami Dolphins uh, for this year. I think they've had too many injuries to the uh, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Waddell. If they don't get one or two of these guys back, which we don't know officially as we sit here and talk about this right now whether they're going to get those players back it's going to be tough for them you know uh to a viola the the um miami dolphins quarterback has really done the best that he could do but when you have such substantial injuries as they've had this year it's really hard to carry it even though you are the quarterback and you are the man you know to to, to bring this through i would also say to you guys kansas city is kind of the team that you look at and you say uh, they're a little bit fragile. They limped through the end of the season, and they said they, they kind of had a bit of trouble. But now Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, it's playoff time. It's go time. So this is the kind of team and the kind of organization that can scarcely turn it on and off. And you and, and when you do that as an organization, you kind of look and you could say from the outsider, how do you do that? How do you turn it on and off like that? But this is the one-and-done deal that is the Kansas City Chiefs. So, again, I, I suspect and I emphasize that they are going to get it done, but we'll see what can Miami pull out from this. Uh, the 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 next one I would I would emphasize for you is the Buffalo Bills Pittsburgh Steelers. There isn't much exciting about this game because the injuries that the Steelers have and they have all on offense, defense, everything in between injuries. If the Buffalo Bills don't win this game by two scores, so fourteen points, I'm going to be really, really, really disappointed in the Buffalo Bills. I think that Josh Allen is going to have a really big game with his wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, and he's going to really channel in that, okay, we got to get things going. We've seen Stefan Diggs have a lot of trouble this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing it move forward as we as we go through this. But those are my matchups that I would pick for you guys. 
Okay. Uh, quickly, Toronto yeah. Raptors. Real quick. Uh, very, very quickly, the Toronto Raptors, uh, their head coach, Darko Ryakovich, receives a $25,000 $25, fine for criticizing yeah, the officials. We will, um, you know, this is this is really something that took place here. He went off. Ben Taylor was the official. And if you remember Ben Taylor and uh, Fred Van Vliet, a former athlete for the Toronto Raptors, he went off on Ben Taylor. I shouldn't know who the official was. Darko was really upset. And you got to love when your coach stands up for his players and says, this is garbage and it's got to change. It won't, but he's going to do what he's going to do for his team. Okay. So people will say simply, hey, man, if a game's that close, why aren't you just putting up more points? But we obviously saw a game that was very enjoyable, very compatible, really affected by referees. And I could see if, if the Raptors weren't doing the same kind of style of play that the Lakers were and getting into the point, I could see how they wouldn't have three throws. But to have a disparity in the fourth quarter of, of what the heck was it, 23 to 2 23 in favor to two. of the Lakers. Um, yeah. There's something wrong. And, you know, I understand there's a lot of young refs right now in, in the NBA trying to learn the game. But this has been a pattern and somebody needs to sit down and kind of work this out. Because no matter what, it just makes sport ugly when we hear too much of, of this kind of thing. Uh, and no different than players trying to get calls because of reputation. Brock, as Absolutely. usual, pal. Thank you kindly. Congratulations again to the Neutral Zone and all the fantastic work you folks do and for bringing us, of course, great sports talk. Brock Richardson hits us with the latest sports updates on Fridays right here to begin our second hour. Up next, folks, what are some of the reasons that you can come with um, as to how come you don't finish reading a book? Ryan Huey runs through a list of the topics on the Chatty Bookshelf next. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner.
We always have so much to get into, ladies and gentlemen, on the program, and we know that it's hard to keep track. So, what good way is to kind of do a reset, kind of recoup some of that time and share with you some of the segments that we, through the week, wow, thought may merit some other comment, whether it be from us or just some thought that may have come to us later on. We call the segment Cut for Time and uh, gives you some also ideas of things you can find via the podcast. Subscribe, go back and listen to these, either it's in segment form or the complete podcast experience. Well, Ramya Muthan, of course, she's right there at the studio in Toronto. We'll get there in just a second. We also welcome in Grant Hardy, who's at his home studio uh, in BC, out in Vancouver, and myself, Kelly McDonald, as we uh, settle in to go through Cut for Time. Rum, would you get us started, please? Yep. Going back to Tuesday, we had a lot of great conversations. This one was with Dr. Danielle Johnkind, our veterinarian. And she talked about skin conditions in cats. And here she is talking about one of the more common issues she encounters. Well, there are a lot of skin problems that can affect both cats and dogs and, you know, some that can even be passed between them. Um, oh. You know, I, I do see certain problems much more commonly in cats. Um, for example, you know, there's a fungal infection that attacks hair follicles and um, in medical vernacular, medicalese, as I like to call it, you know, it's called dermatophytosis. But um, the common name for it that most people recognize, if they recognize it at all, is ringworm. And as an aside, the, the common name always struck me as kind of odd, considering there are no worms involved with this problem mm. at all. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, I see probably about two or three cats a year with this particular skin problem. And most of them are kittens. And honestly, in the last 24 years since I graduated, I, I can recall only seeing one dog with it. Um, so, you know, definitely there are some problems that we see, we tend to see more in cats than in dogs. Convo was insightful because we were talking specifically about skin conditions in cats, and she brought a lot to the table that I really was legitimately not aware of that were so different. Oftentimes, I think when we uh, say cats and dogs, like, you know, pets of cats and dogs, we think they go through very similar things. Not at all, uh, especially when it comes to the skin condition convo. But what I was really um, intrigued about and when I left that convo thought about all week was just that how do we, as low vision or blind people, get to the bottom of some of the things that go on? How do we keep track of symptoms, especially things like skin conditions? And I, I think there are a lot of ways. Obviously, there's the tactile. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of like odor or smelling things and keeping track of what may be, be different than what you're used to with your animal. But other times it's also behavioral things, right? Do you notice that your dog or your cat is behaving differently in certain ways that you may not be able to pick up... Um, tactilely or you know by touch by saying oh there's something on his or her body that wasn't there before or that is agitating them but you know behaviorally what are they doing differently right and um i think for me when i first got glasgow because he was my first pet ever or I had a hamster before that, but that's a different story. Um, when Glasgow came home, I had to notice a lot of things that I didn't know what I was necessarily noticing them for, but I thought I should keep track that, you know, he reacts like this when he's stressed. He responds like this when he's anxious or, uh, you know, he's trying to tell me this, but I missed it the last 
70 times because I didn't realize that's what he was trying to communicate. So, uh, you know, there's the aspect of just like taking your dog and cat to the vet and saying, hey, there's something that might be going on or this is our annual checkup, what is going on? But there's also just like paying acute attention to the tiny details of behavior, of, um, you know, changes in their routine, or just, like, they're doing something that feels a little off. And I've, I think I've done a reasonable job, but the insecurity of it is that we're always missing something because we can't see it or spot it in time. Like with the pizza situation, like, you just don't know, and then later he's sick, potentially, and I'm thinking, what happened? I don't, I don't, nothing has changed. We walked to work, we walked home, and he ate what he usually eats. So uh, there's just that, like, I guess a little bit of anxiety and uh, insecurity that's in the background when you are the primary handler for a pet or a, a service animal or a guide dog grant. Yeah, I think this raises a couple of really interesting points. Uh, one is just one has to feel, and this applies really universally across all uh uh, people who have pets, service animals, working animals, uh, it's just that animals can't communicate in the same way yeah. we do. And that's such mm -hmm. a disadvantage for them yeah. because at least I can sort of say, okay, I don't know exactly what's going wrong, but this part of my body is mm. not feeling so good, but they, they just don't have that ability. At plus, especially dogs, I'm not really sure about cats. Cats might be a little more off, but dogs will often just work and play through pain, yep. uh, which again, puts everybody at, at more of a disadvantage. Uh, so that's really unfortunate. The other thing in particular, I think for those of us with uh, disabilities is that, uh, you know, sometimes I think when we get, again, either pets or service animals, other people around us might want to help with their care. But actually, I've always been told it's really important that you do all of the care as mm -hmm. much as you're able to with your dog, including picking up after they go to the bathroom, you know, monitoring their habits, everything like that, because that's actually all those things, grooming, bathroom stuff are any sort of changes in behavior are an excellent way to pick up on right. changes in health. So I've always been told, you know, instead of just kind of like passing some stuff off because you don't really feel like, you know, doing it, uh, you know, what, whatever is, it's really important to develop that bond of trust and, yes, and for sure. care. And part of that is helping with their care, Kelly. Yeah, I would think it to be number one crucial. I mean, yes, I understand sometimes, especially if you have a disability or some things you may need that help with or somebody to take care of. But I think even knowing your animal, the cuddles, the hugs, the yep. exploration of the fur, everything like that, that may almost seem a bit intrusive, but I know it's your way of knowing whether you can see or not, it's your way of picking up on the reaction or uncomfortable or something that may not be normal where otherwise you feel like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not, what am I doing here? I'm, you know, but you do have to look in the fur and check and just be sure that there's not, you know, strain spots or something there that, that shouldn't be or, 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 you know, bruises or, or bone stuff going on. Um, it's that being familiar uh, and part of that care I'd imagine too. And I, I know generally cats have a higher pain thresholds. So, mm -hmm. You just never know. Um, registered nurse Leslie DePoe stopped by on Wednesday to talk New Year's resolutions. In this particular clip, she uh, explains an analogy that you can use to keep your res res resolutions. 
But if you are somebody who reflects, which is always a really healthy thing to do, especially for your mental health, is mm. to take a look back and talk about what you want to do forward, what worked for you, what didn't work for you, then what do we talk about in order to have a goal that we think is going to go well? So um, oddly enough, it's it's something we learned in nursing school, um, is a SMART goal, and we use that as an mm -hmm. acronym. So specific, measurable, attainable, uh, R and I'll remember that one. And then uh, and T is timely. Relevant is the R. I always forget the R, right. which probably says something about me. Um, so specific. <laughs> um, if you're going to change a habit, you need to know what it is you want to change. So you got to really dial it in. So when people say, for example, I want to have better finances. What does that actually mean? Yeah. Do you want to, and even I want less debt, to be honest, isn't right. really specific yeah. enough, right? Okay. So for me, I took away the ART so much, right? <laughs> Obtainable because can I do it? Would I do it is what I turn that into for myself. Hey, I, I want to start doing this. Yeah, but what's the means that I'm going to do? What am I going to use? How likely am I if I do it A, that way? Maybe not. B, more likely. Um, the relevance. What is, where does it stand in my line of important things to take care of in my life? Well, for me, a lot of time, whatever it is related to health, I know I've got to, you know, always work at that, watching what I eat, making sure I go to doctor's appointments, just taking it easy and saying, yeah, you're a little older now. You can't do some of the things that you used to want to do and you can talk a big game. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to throw yourself on the floor necessarily and play goal ball the way you did when you mm -hmm. were like 17. Um, and timing for sure. As we talked about, what's this January mean? What's this New Year's mean? It comes with, I'm ready now to do that. And there are so many things I've had people tell me of recent, whether it's a procedure, a surgery, some real important heavy things, and I'm not even necessarily talking about that. I'm talking things you may want to improve, get into doing a habit you may want to stop, as we talked earlier in the week with Fern about habits. Um, it really comes down to that timing of, I'm ready to do that now. Mm. So the ART, the art in that smart, really, for me, Ramya meant an awful lot. Yeah, that's such a good point about being ready being open because you know when you reflect back and we talked about the reflection in so many different ways over this week as well when you reflect back to different stages and phases of your life you weren't always ready right like we we aren't always ready for everything and even right now we may not be ready for certain things we resist or don't uh, are not necessarily yet aware of the changes the um response to feedback that just that openness of like yeah i i think i can understand what you're saying even if i'm not necessarily there yet and that is a gradual process and it the encouragement or the patience that people around us but also ourselves like the, that we have to have with ourselves is uh, quite monumental because it's hindsight, right? Like you can't necessarily know that you're going to get there until you get there and reflect back and say, yeah, I've made a lot of great, maybe incremental, but a lot of great um, progress in this amount of time. Progress is everything with it, isn't it? Yeah. Because you do have to remind yourself, I love what you said at the top of that segment about being able to look back as much as like whether it's New Year's Eve or the third or, or, or November matter. 5th, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. looking back and that's what I find because you do got to be able to say, hey, you know what? I haven't done too bad with that. Yeah. Pat myself on the back, recognize or I still Sometimes know. Sometimes even that requires some perception or change in perception. It does. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Grant, how about you? 
Yeah, it's amazing how socially constructed this all is, isn't it? Like the, there is a real concept of years, uh, of course, the seasons, uh, but the, the whole idea of like January 1st being the, the start of the new year is just very human made. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that life is life is really a journey, as we know, and if we can convert resolutions, goals into things that inspire us rather than things that shame us and especially more baby steps or uh achievable attainable steps i mean i would i would love to get a little bit further on my journey of you know health and fitness but i know that tomorrow i'm not going to be switching out all my food for healthy food and you know becoming a gym rat and this and that is it's just not going to happen so coming up with something a little more uh, like attainable and these goals to keep in mind throughout the year rather than really focusing on coming up with 20 resolutions on january 1st and then you're here all right uh yesterday you guys spoke with kevin shaw and he talked all things about business lunches here he is explaining what they are so it's not to chow down. I, I, that's I was usually the purpose of that. like a normal oh. lunch when you're just by yourself. Yeah. The purpose of a business lunch is to add some kind of a, a social situation and, and to build some rapport, maybe with some people on your team. Maybe it's with a client. Maybe it's with a, a, a potential customer. Maybe it's with uh, somebody who's going to hire you. Um, lunches are just great ways of breaking the ice and getting people into a situation where they can build that rapport and um, develop a business relationship that is ultimately going to benefit both parties. I, I thought this would kind of be an interesting conversation just to talk about networking. Because networking is something that people... Uh, in minority groups, I think are at an incredible disadvantage, dare I say. Uh, I've, I've heard, you know, people in, in feminist communities talking about this, uh, people with disabilities, of, of course, uh, are uh, in this position where, you know, let's be honest, a lot of opportunities, a lot of jobs, a lot of networking happens on the golf course or, you know, at fancy restaurants where everybody has suits or, you know, fa- like fancy outfits and knows how to how to can afford them and knows how to dress up and knows how to eat, you know, with um, perfect etiquette kind of thing. And I find that so interesting, um, these discussions, because I think that's something that affects us in the blind community and low vision community, because we may not have always been taught about, uh, okay, you know, nobody, everyone's got their appies, whatever. How are people eating these? How are people sharing these? Are people eating yet? Uh, what is sort of the etiquette behind that, uh, Ramya? Curious to know your thoughts on what we can do to improve that networking experience in like a minute or how much of a disadvantage do you feel that is mm. for us? Well, I've always felt we're at a disadvantage, right? Like going to any kind of networking session, whether or not there's food involved, I was always like, oh gosh, am I dressed the way that everybody is supposed to be dressed? Did I even ask the right questions? Like there's so much small talk and all of that involved. It just becomes overwhelming. But um, these conversations with Kevin, if anything, are just helpful because he gives you full on tips, right? Like A, B, C, D, E. Uh, but also I do think too, when we compare all the different conversations we have about employment on the show, that the 
environment is changing. Like the atmosphere around work and around socializing is changing. There's a lot more casual to be recognized and a lot more transparency and vulnerability to be recognized. So I feel like that we got to continue bridging that gap between like, I'm disabled and I don't know how to do this and I need all the tips in the world versus, you know, corporate. Absolutely. This is how you perform. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think it puts so much stress on people, and we've learned how much through almost everything we do at a, at a workplace. Yeah. We've learned how many things put stress on us, and we stop and say, why do we allow that? Or worse than that, I know sometimes it's the nature of the job you may do or the situation, but what can we do to lessen the stress? Obviously, be responsible, and there's life or death situations, but most of our jobs are not that. So what do we do? to make things better in that work environment. And that has become more the conversation. And I think whether it's a work gathering, stuff where you don't feel even stressing about or don't have to feel anymore, I got a stress where I'm getting this suit to wear at the event. Ah, uh, Grant, thank you very much. Great uh, item to pick out. Thanks, folks. Grant Hardy, our reporter and producer out in Vancouver for Kelly and Rumya, joining us as we do this segment called Cut for Time. You can check these segments out via the Kelly and Rumya podcast. We step aside for a couple of moments. We'll give you an idea what's coming up over the weekend on AMI-audio and on AMI-tv. We have a closing moment. Hopefully you'll uh, get a kick out of this one. Something to think about that takes you back almost 40 years. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Other than the coffee machine at AMI main campus, Ramya, do you think you could uh, conduct a tour if you had a group? That I can conduct a tour? Yeah, a whole tour of that uh, place and tell people, well, over here we have a person doing this. It's and not going to be a great tour. CEO, uh, it's going to be kind of like um, fill in the blanks, you know? Really? Guys, we're, we're stopping in an area? I'm sure <laughs> you can, you can use your imagination to your figure feet, out what's here. Um, yeah. There's some accessibility stuff going on here. That's right. Yeah. You would be good for the accessible tour. <laughs> These are like, tactile as we here. bump into it, I'll be like, there's a wall. Yeah, there's Thanks a corner for joining right me. here. I think yeah, that's the elevator. Let's all find uh, out together. Yeah, yeah, you guys all get in there. Let's go down, and uh, I can show you where Chick-fil-A is. Uh, that's fine. Oh, my God, yeah. I can do an, a, a food you tour You can put a better tour of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Folks, welcome back. Uh, we're getting you ready for the weekend. The gateway to that weekend is open, and we'd like to tell you a little bit about what's coming up over the weekend on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. We'll start with AMI's, uh, well, Kelly and Ramya's, Beth Deer stars in the documentary Sight Unseen, Saturday on AMI-tv. Eager to own their first house, Beth and Cody bought one Sight Unseen and were faced with the harsh reality once they stepped inside. <laughs> Folks, follow along as the two turn an unlivable house into the accessible home of their dreams. Wow. That's Sight Unseen, Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. There's a lot of detail on how unlivable that house was, um, or spot, I guess, was. You can also listen to the latest stories from the Wal Walrus magazine, and uh, that's from Voices of the Walrus, Sundays on AMI-audio. Veteran broadcaster Roger Ashby presents dynamic reads of thought-provoking articles from Canada's General Interest magazine with an international outlook. Voices of the Walrus, Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Our closing moment today, one night in January in 1985, many of the biggest stars in pop history got together to record the same song at the same time. 
Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie had written a song called We Are the World. Quincy Jones produced it, and it was slated to come out as a benefit single for African um, famine relief. The lineup of singers included Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Diana Ross, Bob Dylan, Ray Charles, Tina Turner, uh, Paul Simon, Smokey Robinson, Billy Joel, Willie Nelson, Dionne Warwick, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Kenny Rogers, Whoa. and an on-fire Cindy Lauper. Now, you can argue whether the resulting song was any good, but its recording was an achievement, and it helped highlight and transform a moment in pop music. Now, we're about to get a Netflix documentary, of course, uh, about the creation of uh, We Are the World, a story that's a whole lot more interesting than the song itself. The movie is called The Greatest Night in Pop, and uh, let's hope they get into some of the lore around the actual recording session, Prince facing public backlash for going out partying instead of taking part. Cindy Lauper complained that the song was no good. Al Jarrell sobbing that... Uh, Bob Dylan wouldn't speak to him, and Dan Aykroyd singing in the choir for some reason. All that stuff. So check this out, Rum. It's really interesting, even on the history of it. Would you check it out quickly? Who's playing who? Yeah, I would definitely. I think it's a bunch of themselves, mm. for real. All that stuff. People running with cameras. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, on Monday, Ottawa community reporter Kim Kilpatrick stopped by to tell us about Snowgo and Snowgo Assist which help those out there who need that assistance with removing snow, older adults especially. On Know Your Rights, Daniel McLaughlin is discussing a class action lawsuit that has been filed in the Ontario Court of Justice against the Attorney General of Canada. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We're waving at you. Get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hart. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphic, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President, CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. On yesterday's Vanity Card, Megan talked about donating blood. Fantastic information she shared with us. Please go back, check it out if you would. But an extension to that conversation as I listened, it made me think about my first times donating blood. And I did that as a teenager. I did it roaming through a mall, and they were inviting people in the Red Cross to donate. And I remember going in and giving it a try and just talking to the volunteers, the staff that were in there. And it was so important that, that, that what I learned and that they were there in this mall trying to get people in. I learned at that time 3% of the populace donate which is scary when, unfortunately, there's a lot more occasion to need blood transfusions, to need that blood, and, well, where's it coming from, right? So I started then, and, you know, I mean, I certainly became no expert, but I got interested in donating whole blood, platelets, and, and plasma, and so on. So went through some of the process, but I recall one day uh, I had been to the gym, worked out, 
got a ride to give blood. And when I was in there and they pricked my finger to check, they said, oh, oh, sorry, we can't. And I said, what do you mean you can't? Well, your iron's too low. Now, again, me knowing all my life at that point, I have an iron deficiency. So, of course, I take my vitamins and did when I was a kid, took my Flintstones. So I simply said, well, can't you just add it? Well, there was a lot of laughter around and I realized, uh, I guess not. Um, they said their biggest concern, obviously, was for, for me, the safety of myself. Uh, so that was one of my first lessons. But um, do encourage, just like Megan did yesterday in the uh, vanity card, get involved. If you are in a position to be able to give blood, oh, please do so. Know your blood type. Real important. And um, fedora's off to those who can and do. And uh, those of you thinking about it, oh, it's, it's wonderful. Oh, the cookies aren't bad either. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.